This is Nullius in Verba, a podcast about science, what it is, and what it could be. It's co-hosted by me, Smriti Mehta from UC Berkeley, and me, Daniel Lagens from Eindhoven University of Technology. In this fourth episode, we will discuss the role of eminence in science. What makes a scientist eminent? And what role does eminence play in science, and should it play a role at all? Can we have eminent teams, or only eminent individuals? And is it okay to want to take a picture with an eminent scientist whom you respect? Enjoy. So, Daniel, um, I want to start out today's episode by telling you one of my favorite anecdotes um, about Richard Feynman. Um, So, in August of 1975, um, a student at um, Williams and Mary, Mm -hmm. Beulah Elizabeth Cox, um, saw that she had lost some points on a physics exam. um, And she, even though what she had written in her exam seemed to be in accord with um, something she had read in Richard Feynman's notes in in his book um and her answer was marked wrong so she actually wrote to richard feynman so there's a letter dated august 22nd 1975 and the letter read i recently took a course in elementary physics at the college of williams and mary in virginia an exam question concerned gauss's law and conductors namely does a hollow conductor shield the region outside the conductor from the effects of a charge placed within the hollow but not touching it Oh yeah, re- of course. Very, very, very good question. Yeah, yeah. Let me. Yeah, yeah. Obvious, but but go on. Uh, I read chapter five, <laughs> volume two of Feynman lectures on physics, and understood all except the next to the last paragraph. And then she lists um, what's written in the paragraph and says, mm-hmm. "Could you perhaps explain what the paragraph in question means? I would really appreciate it because I'm very confused." Um, and in the postscript, um, she lets Feynman know what was at stake. And she says, um, postscript, I must admit that I have a devious motive in writing to you because on the exam, I answered with the explanation that your book gave. However, my instructor did not give me any points, even after <laughs> I found out your book to validate my answer. If you could clarify this question for me, I would be very appreciative. Thank you in advance. Mm-hmm. And so September 12th, 1975, Feynman replies and mm-hmm. he says, your instructor was right not to give you any points for your for your answer was wrong, as he demonstrated using Gauss's law. You should, in science, believe logic and arguments carefully drawn and not authorities. You also read the book correctly and understood it. I made a mistake, so the book is wrong. I probably was thinking of a grounded conducting sphere or else the fact that moving the charges around in different places inside does not affect things on the outside. I'm not sure how I did it, but I goofed and you goofed too <laughs> for believing me. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, very nice. Very nice. Poor, poor student, but poor an important the, lesson, I guess. Important a, lesson. But there, a very you know? important lesson. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 So always distrust the authority who's saying something. Exactly. Nice. Um, do you think that Richard Feynman would fall into the uh, eminent scientist category? Oh, absolutely, a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No. So, so, so that's our our topic for today. And um, I want to ask you, who do you think are the most eminent psychologists, contemporary or in the past, all of all time? Well, I, I found two articles, so you can go 
all time or you can go contemporary. You okay. can go both ways. Yeah. Okay. Do you want like top three or my top choice? Get, well, if you make the top three, that's great. But just, you know, okay. give some guesses. Well, whatever well, you think. Well, Sigmund Freud, I think, would probably come first um, by all accounts. Very good. Yeah. That's in the in the historical list. Mm-hmm. Um He's extremely high. It depends a little bit on how they calculate it, but definitely top three uh, entry right there. Yeah. Oh, easy. Yeah. Um, I would say B.F. Skinner probably. Very good. Yeah. In in the in the top of a list in any case. Very. In good. any case, yeah. Um, Jean Piaget. Wow, you got the top three. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. No. No. This is. Uh, yeah. Very good. Very good. <laughs> Oh, uh, impressive, impressive. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I know yeah, my history, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very good. Yeah, so I, I found this interesting. I found it actually interesting that, so there are papers mm-hmm. describing who are the eminent psychologists. Mm-hmm. Uh, and our fellow psychologists have spent a lot of time thinking like, so how should we compute it and which things do we put together? And then how we do we pull it and make a whole list of these things, which I actually in some way think is extremely peculiar. Like, Hmm. why are we so obsessed with this to begin with that we make this whole list? But apparently many people, like several articles are on this, making lists of eminent psychologists. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But is it it any different, do you think, than maybe making a list of the best, you know, Hall of Fame of baseball players? Or, (laughs) you know, like top 100 or top, you know, 10 actors of all time, right? I mean, in any, any such... Any discipline where you eminence is a thing because it's not right. Accountants don't get these lists, right? But in any dis- <laughs> in any discipline where you have um, the eminence plays a role, I think it's sort of wow. yeah, it's yeah. a human tendency to do that, right? Like who's the best of the best? Yeah, yeah. But I think you you just already pointed out a very interesting point. So why are uh, mm. scientists like baseball players, and why aren't they like accountants? <laughs> I mean, uh, shouldn't we be a discipline that's more like accountants? Like we did our job, well done, but like we don't need to make a list. I don't know. I mean, I huh. mean that's maybe a question, right? But apparent. So apparently, um, I'm wrong. My question here is wrong because we clearly are a discipline that makes lists, right? Right. So we yeah. we have them, yeah. And and clearly, eminence plays a big role in our in our field, mm-hmm, and, uh, mm-hmm. and and not not in the field of being an accountant, <laughs> but, but in science it is. So. So that's, I guess, already the core point that I think um, made me want to do an episode on on this topic. Mm. You know, so so is this a thing that is desirable, that eminence, or or is it unavoidable and undesirable? Is it unavoidable but also desirable? I mean, how how are these two related? Maybe let's start with the question: Is it unavoidable? Is eminence really actually part of science? Well, there's two things, right? I mean, one would be that um, are, are you eminent out, outside in the world? Like, right, Lucian Feynman is, of course, like, you know, a scientist that probably everybody has heard his name, right? So you become sort of mm-hmm. a public figure. Um, mm-hmm. That I'm not sure about. Maybe that we can discuss. But I do think that within the sort of, you know, the sort of, you know, so the social structure of science Eminence is unavoidable, right? Because insofar as you're trying to get your ideas, you're trying to make a contribution, the way that it gets, like it wouldn't mean anything for you to have made a contribution if nobody reads it and nobody knows about it and it doesn't become part of sort of the corpus of knowledge, right? So people, mm-hmm. so so if you're making a, an important scientific contribution, the whole currency, right? What you're getting in return 
is the fact that mm. people know about it and people know that you've made that contribution. It's tied to your um, name. So I do think that within that structure, it's sort of unavoidable. Now, whether, mm. whether you know, the public needs to know about it or it needs to go on, you know, the New York Times, like, I'm, I'm not sure about that. But I think within science, I do, I do think it's unavoidable, and maybe perhaps also plays a role. Um, but what do you think? I maybe I have a weird opinion about this, but I almost think that um, a concept like eminence is almost antithetical to science. Mm -hmm. um, because in science, the, the arguments matter. Right. Mm. So I, I think it's not so bad if you would say, look, um, this person made a really good argument here in this paper. Right. This mm. is a great argument and everybody should read this argument and also thank this person for coming up with it. Maybe it's great. But outside of this specific context, so it's not about an argument, but you just see this person walk around uh, at a conference. Yeah. It, they're just a person like you are a person and I'm a person. It doesn't really matter that they happen to have made this argument or something. There's nothing because I feel eminence is about this person, right? If you see them later, you're like, yeah, mm. you know, that's not just anyone. That's like an eminent person, <laughs> you know, yeah. or or in the worst case, like I sent you these pictures and, and people can uh, Google them, you know, try to find them. But it's amazing, like pictures of Philip Zimbardo. Uh, oh, taking right. pictures <laughs> at a conference. So there's basically right. like picture booths or picture moments where you can make a picture with Philip Zimbardo, who's of course an eminent psychologist as right. well, I guess, or at least very famous. Yeah. Yeah, but I just find that a little bit peculiar. I mean, yeah, that is definitely a good point. Um, well, but I also have a picture with Alba Bandura, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't know I was getting personal here. Yeah. <laughs> So now I have to so justify. What is a good question? Why did you want to get a picture with Albert? Uh, Be who's of, also in these lists, by the a, way. He, yeah, he's like the, number four or five. Exactly. So you, yeah, I yeah. Was if going he to, continued on, yeah, he was yeah, there. I would have, yeah. yeah. And he passed away, you know, not that long ago, actually. So he would have been a contemporary until recently. I mean, be because I really respect his ideas. Like, it was a big moment for me to have met him in person. Um you know, like his, and, and I think a lot of people who are, you do work, I mean, some of his theories, like, for example, the social learning theory and theory of self-efficacy, it's what I did my undergrad thesis on, it's still something I'm interested in. So, I mean, I really respect him as a scholar. Um, and it's, I mean, you're right that it's the, you know, it's the work that should matter um, and, and what the arguments that they're making. But it's almost like saying, yeah, should we not celebrate James Cameron and only focus on Titanic? That's hard to do, right? Because he is the person that conceived it and made it and um hmm. right? Yeah. Like, should that not be recognized? Yeah. Maybe that's part of the reason why I'm a little bit more hesitant about mm. this. Um, yeah. whether it's the person. So I also don't know if this is correct or not, but it's definitely a background idea I have and and that is that if it wasn't this person like if it, it could wasn't be somebody else it probably would have been somewhere yeah. you know and it and if something very similar would have happened but somebody else would have done it so it might not be right we can't like do you know rerun the world a couple of times right. and see if it wasn't freud then it was someone else but but that's sort of my my thought about this so it should be more the idea and that this person happened to be the person coming up with the idea is lovely but not picture worthy, you know, not not like, oh, <laughs> I need to go on a picture with this person. Yeah. yeah. And I think the one thing I was thinking about is sort of the role of luck 
And I think you are mm. right. Like, if it wasn't Freud, it could have been somebody else that synthesized Oda. And you, he just happened to be at the right place at the right time. And perhaps, like, his ideas got picked up and other people might have come up with the same ideas and that didn't get picked up, right? So it's a it's a part of, it's a big, luck plays a huge role. Like, I recently found out that, like, Bill Gates, apparently, um, like, his high school was one of the few maybe at the time that happened to have computers. And there was some glitch mm. in the system where they could use like hundreds of hours of time on those computers that wouldn't have otherwise happened. So it just like, you know, you just happen to be at the right place at the right time and things just work mm. out. But if he hadn't done it, maybe somebody else would have. Yeah, and I think in, in science, there are even very good examples where multiple people yeah, came up came with up, very right. similar ideas. It's right. just that, you know, because of, you know, only a couple of people can become very known for the idea. So somebody becomes very known for the idea, but there were literally a couple of other people who had the same idea. Yeah. So... Yeah, then it really feels not just about coming up with the idea, which is, you know, that's good. But mm -hmm. but being the person uh, well known for that specific idea, because yeah. somebody else had the same idea and we just don't know them that well. But it's that part seems especially random. Um, right. I think you have to be pretty smart and stuff and work very hard, you know, and be a little bit lucky. But all those other things play a role. But then the last step that you happen to be the person who becomes very well known for this idea, if maybe six other people also had very similar ideas. That part, I feel, feels, yeah, a um, bit uneasy. And then, yeah, and then we have these picture moments with <laughs> and then people, and we put them Don't on lists. Don't judge me. Don't judge no, me, no. Daniel. So um, we have these lists, and, and I took a look at what goes, you know, what you, what you need to do. Uh, so we're going to consider some career advice for you mm. as a young researcher. <laughs> but what what do you think you need to do to score really, really high on these lists? Or maybe I should just start more directly say, what do you need to become an eminent researcher? Are we talking about science in an ideal way or science at it as it exists currently? <laughs> well, I mean, you have to make it on the current lists. So let's do let's do current, and then maybe you can say, "Oh, I would actually like science to have eminent research for these." Correct. I mean, it's a perfect thing. I, I think exactly the thing I want to talk about. But right. let's start with what you now need. Now to need. Do. Now need to do. Publish a lot, I think. All right. You know, publish a lot and publicize it a lot, so that people cite it, right? So that people cite it. Yeah, get citations exactly. Many yeah. papers, many papers, citations, many citations. What else? Um, maybe a TED talk. I don't know. <laughs> did Freud do a TED talk? <laughs> he would have, yeah. <laughs> he did the whatever yeah. the equivalent of the TED talk would have been at the time, you know. Yeah, yeah. L lectures all right, all right. The, yeah. Um, be at a fancy university. I think that also helps. Um, a nice um, predictor. It's a, a yeah. According to one paper, a very good predictor. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some other things they do is count awards. Right. Okay. Uh, yeah, especially awards. like Grants, you have awards, a couple of yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, but you have like distinguished person award, right. you know, career mm -hmm. awards, those mm -hmm. kind of things. So those I've seen being counted. And another thing that happens a lot is being mentioned in textbooks. So if you're the person in a textbook, like Freud right. is, of course, clearly, right, uh, and a then bunch you've of people, made it, yeah, then you've made it. So that's yeah. also used as a criteria uh, to be eminent. And the way to do all those things um, is just to publish like crazy, right. live a very long life and, and <laughs> be extremely productive. Like, don't give up. I mean, that's just, uh, yeah, I mean, don't stop working. Don't just stop. work, 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 publish yeah. and, and become, uh, yeah, very well cited. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's that's the route towards it, according to the those tables, you know, that, that are published. 
Do you think that's, uh, does that match with what you feel is criteria for being eminent? In a system that works well, um, where mm -hmm. more publications does mean more co actual contributions, like when you're, if, mm -hmm. if, you know, if more publications actually did mean that you're contributing positively and you're adding to the knowledge base, then mm -hmm. I think, and if the award, again, with those awards and those grants and stuff. Citations. Citations. And the citations are exactly. really people who think your work exactly. is very valuable. Right, mm -hmm. exactly. So if that were, if all of that worked well and, you know, awards were awarded based on merit and not just because the committee likes you or you're doing mm -hmm. things that, right, um, then I think, then, then yes. Then I would say yes, that would be a fair criteria for, for eminence. eminence. But, but at the yeah. moment, I'm not, I'm not sure. So in this perfect world, would you say there are other things that you associate with eminence, maybe with Bandura, for example? I mean, just the quality of the work. Um, and mm -hmm. I, and I guess, I guess it's hard. Yeah, if people haven't published anything, how do you know what the quality of their work is, right? So there, it needs to be out there. But I think mm -hmm. definitely focusing on the quality of what's done as opposed to quantity would be one. And I think not putting that much, like not giving too much weight to these awards and 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 things mm -hmm. that we know have like so many biases associated with them, um, but sort of separating, yeah, the person from and focusing on what they have done and is that an actual contribution? Um, mm -hmm. But that's hard to do, right? Because even that is a subjective judgment in some sense by people who, you know. Yeah, like there might be work that somebody else might think is very good quality work and you and I might not or the other way around, right? So even those, their subjective judgment of other eminent people comes into play, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> because, mm -hmm. yeah, um, yeah, it's tricky, yeah. Yeah, I guess um, it must have been impactful in any case. I think um, you might like it or not or something, but I think, you know, um, if it's been really impactful in a lasting sense, like mm -hmm. like Bandura's work has mm -hmm, been impactful mm -hmm, in a, in a mm -hmm, long term mm -hmm, sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, not a decade or two decades. You know, sometimes we are misled a little bit. A decade or something, we think something is a very cool idea, but then right. it sort of dies off. But that's definitely not the case for somebody like Bandura. Mm -hmm, so, yeah. so yeah, something like this, like a real contribution that made a lasting impact, impact. that changed something in the field for a long time. I think that's a good that's a good criterion. Yeah. That yeah. is a good criteria. So, you you know, I mean, like people like B.F. Skinner or Alba Bandura was one that sort of led the, you know, from behaviorism to the cognitive revolution, right? So if you're making these mm -hmm. big changes and influencing a discipline um, yeah. in meaningful yeah. ways, I think that's... But can I mm -hmm. ask you then, Daniel, I mean, you have some, well, not you have, you have eminence in the discipline. How do you personally then deal with that? Because we have discussed, I mean, previously also the fact that if you do need to if you want to be able to influence what's happening, maybe we want to do something to make science better. Well, you need mm -hmm. influence for that. And you mm -hmm. don't get influence unless you have some eminence, right? I mean, nobody's going to listen to me about what we should be doing, right? But they would listen to you. And that comes partly mm -hmm. because of your eminence, right? People use that as a heuristic mm -hmm. to, to to figure out people outside the discipline, especially, right? About mm -hmm. who to, who's, who's, were to trust versus not who do we count as an expert versus not right eminence plays a role in that yeah well i think you nicely summarized exactly why i dislike this concept of eminence so much <laughs> um and so yes i mean there's something about influence and and wanting to have influence or changing things right yeah 
I mean, so it can be correlated. Eminence can be correlated with saying sensible stuff, right? Right, It's right. not that... Not always, uh, you know, but yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not always. <laughs> no, not always. Exactly. The, the, yeah. I mean, you know, in a perfect is, world. Yeah. Yeah. In a perfect world, people are like, yeah, of course, these eminent people say smart stuff all the time. But <laughs> it's just, just not how it works. Exactly. We just know that's not how it works. And even eminent people know that's not how it works. So right. everybody knows it. Yeah. But at the same time, so you have this thing of a sort of authority argument, like mm. an authority argument where you play off somebody's mm-hmm. eminence mm-hmm. but exactly in the bad way and this mm-hmm. this happens mm-hmm. and i mm-hmm. i find it extremely annoying mm-hmm. so so how this happens sometimes is somebody will send me an email mm-hmm. and they will say daniel i had this thing um and a reviewer or an editor tells me that maybe this is not right but surely i'm right right this is the reasoning mm-hmm. and then i say yeah you're right this is the reasoning you're right blah 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 this is how it works exactly uh, this is a little detail all right so you're right and then they say okay so can i email the editor and say that you agree with me <laughs> and then i always have to write no because you made a solid argument, argument right and that is what's supposed to matter and mm. you're not supposed to say oh and by the way daniel lagans agrees with me on this right. who cares <laughs> nobody should care that's you know? right yeah so this is really the annoying part of eminence, I think. And also it works the opposite way where you say, yeah, because if I say something, nobody's going to listen. I think that's exactly how science is supposed to work. If you mm. say something smart, it doesn't right. matter who It doesn't you are. matter. Yeah. And, and that's why I think this like eminence sometimes feels even anti, a- antithetical or something, you know, like it's not supposed to work like this. If you say a smart thing, I don't care who you are. Who you are. And maybe that's really naive, you know, maybe it's naive, but I mean, um, I really try, it doesn't cost so much effort to to put this in practice, I think, you know, so you just listen who says something smart, you give everybody the opportunity to voice their thoughts about something, you don't give the eminent person more time to voice their thought, everybody can do this. So to play maybe devil's advocate a little bit, and um, no, because I mean... (laughs) It sounds great in theory, right? That, yeah, you should listen to what, you know, you should pay attention to what people are saying and judge it based on that. But if we are talking about especially people outside the field and maybe even people who are starting out who are new in the field, right? Mm -hmm. If you don't even have the right tools to assess if what Mm -hmm. the arguments are, are, the arguments are being made are sensible or not, right? Then how do you judge that? Right, like, because I mean, you know, people are making. Not. Yeah, but maybe just not. I mean, just trying to argue for the use of some heuristic, which might sometimes be right or not. Over, yeah, then you just don't know. Then you just don't know. You say, I don't know. Find it very difficult to argue. You know, evaluate who's right here. But, you but can just say that. You could, but I guess if if you have to make policy, let's say you're a policymaker, right? Mm-hmm. You have to make certain policies. You have mm-hmm. to make them. You have to take, mm-hmm. you know, you have to take some of, you know, the research, for example, into account. Um, mm-hmm. And you don't have the appropriate, like, domain expertise to be able to judge appropriately what is and isn't, what is and isn't that should be taken into account and, you know, taken, you know, as factors when you're making this policy decision. Mm-hmm. Then what else do you use, Daniel, if not? Y- you yeah. find a bunch of people or so. I mean, but here again, the risk to me is so great. So now we're going to also give those eminent people direct access to policymakers. Because, ha- yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. B- because, I mean, another re- another thing is sometimes they became eminent 
because in 1966, <laughs> they they published a paper <laughs> on something and everybody was like, wow, wow, this is great. <laughs> and it was great in yeah. 1966, <laughs> you know. And now now you want to send them to the policymakers? I don't think that's how it's mm. supposed to work. I mean, what's the alternative? Yeah, you get a bunch of people together. You don't give so much uh, power to a single to person. person yeah. Exactly. And you give it to some committee or some organization. You make sure there's some representative membership in this committee. Or maybe you throw in the PhD student just to make sure that their voice is heard mm. about, about a topic. You know, mm. whatever. I mean, yeah. I think that really that's a good alternative. Yeah. So that's great. Um, so speaking of groups, that brings me to a question I had for you. Is that... Would you think that science is more like pro athletics, where we have like one person that wins the medal, right? You have people mm. being ranked individually, or is mm. it more like team sports? Both ideally mm. and what actually happens in practice. And which one mm. do you think is better for science? Yeah, I'm I'm gonna take the easy way out and say it depends a little bit on what people are doing. Mm. So it's it's definitely like in many aspects, it's a team sport. We don't really play it as a team sport, though. Mm. So I think that's something I hope that we will change in the future, mm. right? We'll work more towards this. Um, and we see developments like in the Netherlands, for example, team science is really mm -hmm. uh, a priority by this in the science funder side, but also in the government side. Oh, so we great. see this is important. Yeah. And can I ask how recent mm. is that development? Like maybe a year or three, four or something, okay. I would say. Well, okay. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, it sort of ties in with open science interests that they mm. also strongly have. But team science is a thing. I mean, I'm not 100% sure if they know exactly what it's supposed to be and mm -hmm. what it's supposed to look like right. and how it's supposed to yeah. work. But they have figured out that we want something like team science. This is the direction and to go. Yeah. 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 So you really see this in a couple of places. They had team science awards, for example. Nice. Which is also nice. So not an individual reward, but teams awards. Right. Um, so so that's slowly happening, I guess. Um, and and for some research questions, we will need this, especially like interdisciplinary teams. Mm -hmm. I believe that's going to be very important to solve real big problems. You know, I mean, that's what people say, but actually really believe that that's how it's supposed to work. Right. So that's one side. But at the other side, sometimes you just have the lone well, maybe genius or maybe not a genius, but a lone person toiling away at some topic and they make a breakthrough that's super useful for a lot of other people, you know? Right. And yeah. uh, I don't know how that works. I mean, that always builds on something that happened before, uh, you know, in that sense, it's sort of a team. But but yeah, single people can also make uh, great contributions. I mean, I work a lot in, in methods and statistics. You can definitely write a very good statistics paper by yourself. Yeah. You don't need a team for it. So again, it depends a little bit. Or theoretical physics, right? A lot of that you could just yeah. do sitting by yourself. Yeah. Exactly. Isn't this idea that I am making a contribution to science like an important motivator for a lot of people to get into science? Is it? <laughs> Is it for you? I mean, uh, maybe. I mean, yeah. Yes, I would say yes, but not, not to me, like, not, I, like, I don't care about eminence is the thing, right? Mm -hmm. Like, again, as we were talking, I think if it's, if it's just a byproduct, that's fine. Mm -hmm. But yeah, making contributions, like, is kind of important, right? Yeah. No, that's fine. That's yeah. fine. But, but I think, um, just to ask a little bit more, trying to disentangle the real, uh, drive for eminence and uh -huh. the real drive for a contribution. So if somebody would say, uh, 
uh, Shmuiti, I've looked into the future uh-huh. with with my godlike powers, uh-huh. and I've seen mm-hmm. your greatest contribution to uh-huh. sciences. Uh-huh. Actually, if you are team member thirty four in this forty uh, um, year collaboration that's happening, oh, you would be team member thirty four. Oh, I, nothing would make me happier. Yes. Okay. Yeah. 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 Well, that's that's the contribution, but I think right. yeah, that's not the eminence part. No, right? Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. I don't care about and, that. And, yeah. But that also feels wrong to me a little bit. So apparently, eminence is strongly related with an individual. We we don't have eminent teams. teams. I think that's weird. Like, um, if you look at phys- physics, for example, we have the Atlas collaboration there. Right, they do a lot of research in, in physics. It's it's called the Atlas collaboration. Okay. That's one I'm of not, the their that. teams. Mm-hmm. So that's in CERN. That's in the mm-hmm. Large Hadron mm-hmm. Collider. The mm-hmm. They have a couple of teams. I don't ah, know exactly, I but oh, I didn't realize they were split into teams within within CERN. Oh, fascinating! Yeah, yeah there are different teams, but Atlas mm-hmm. is one. Mm-hmm. I mean, can that be eminent? Can the Atlas collaboration be eminent? I don't feel like it. I feel like we reserve eminence mm-hmm. for single people or something. You know. And yeah. that bothers me as well. Then I think there's something wrong with making this so important if it can only be for, for single people and not for a whole team. Yeah. Yeah. You raise it like an import, like a tricky thing. Yeah. Can teams, because I was thinking, okay, maybe it's not like pro athletics where it's, you know, um, just one person versus versus a team, but maybe but it the can. the team is interesting, by the way, because in soccer, you can have. Like yeah. Barcelona, right? Or can something, be a big you know? exactly. Or yeah. Juventus, like that's a, that's an eminent or yeah, whatever. That's or like, like Manchester a big deal. United or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, hmm. But can we do that in science? Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I think. Gosh, it, I mean, ideally, of course, I think you and I will agree that we, you know, we should want to create that. But I think you're right. In some way, it will be much harder. To get there, um, can we think? I wonder if it would happen in the future. Actually, you know, like this is something. It's interesting. Like, what in a hundred years or something? Maybe we got closer to. You just say, "Oh, there are those people again." That you know, that sixty-five team collaboration that you know cracked another big thing we were trying to figure out. There they are again. You know, like uh, (laughs) like uh, Manchester or United. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like oh god, yeah, they won again. Yeah, there they go. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, they're they're the best. I mean, they're t- they're pairs that you can think of in science, right? Of people who have worked mm-hmm. together and they became eminent. But it all it's almost yeah. always like pairs, like Kahneman and Traversky, or like you know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Faraday and whoever, Michelson, <laughs> Michelson Morley. Um, yeah, Michael you know. Morley. But even then, it's just two people or three people at the most. Usually, always two. Never more than that. Yeah, I wonder why. Because I mean, when you think about it, even. Even people who are working as pairs, and, I mean, it's not like they're doing it alone, right? I'm sure they've had researchers mm-hmm. and post, right? Like, it's like all these many people that are many collaborators exactly. that, that they're we working don't remember. with. That we, exactly. Yeah. We don't know their names and we don't, um, yeah, it's tricky. And I was thinking, I was thinking, oh, how about like thinking about it in context of like a m- movie? Like when you make a movie, of course you have like all these different people that are working on the movie, every technician and every, you know. Um, mm-hmm. every sound director and every, you know, costume designer. So you have this like big team of people that are working together and maybe they work together again and again. And, um, mm-hmm. but then we still have just, you know, these awards for individual people within those teams. Right. But the good thing there is that we actually do 
have these specialized awards for all the different things, right? We have uh, one for director and one for actor and one for a right. So we do recognize Mm -hmm. all those different roles within the team. So I wonder if we could get into a system like that where you do have teams that are famous, but then you also try to value individual contributions within that teamwork. Yeah. Maybe that could be some form of like an optimal way of satisfying both. Yeah, we want this to be a teamwork and collaborative, but also recognize, yeah, yeah, individual contributions. And then I feel I would have a little bit less of an issue of Hmm. of having eminence play such a role. Yeah, Hmm. if you would move a little bit more towards this. Yeah. But now I just feel it's a little bit too random. Uh, The people who become eminent, they, they also get... So, so another issue I think with eminence is if you if you are it, you know, if you are yeah, uh-huh, eminent, uh-huh, yeah, then everything you say, all of a sudden becomes something that an eminent person has said. Like you can just say the silliest thing, <laughs> uh, but it's still something that an eminent person mm. has said, right? And wait, you think people people give it just people take it more seriously, um, or give it more weight, or consider it to be maybe more true or more valid because it's said by somebody that's famous? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. And I mean, you just said that if people have no clue about what to do in the beginning, you said, well, you know, uh, eminence is a sort of an indicator maybe mm-hmm. of taking this person more seriously. And I think people do it. And um, But the issue is, I don't know if it's just me or the time that I interacted with um, eminent people or the specific eminent people that mm-hmm. I interacted with, uh-huh. but I just never had this experience so very strong, right? And maybe it's because... You know, I just started to interact with these people after the uh, replication crisis. And Mm. I talked to a lot of these people about topics that they were not specifically trained in, like methods Mm. and statistics. But I've just too often had people that I, you know, even if I, if you force me, I can, of course, say like, yeah, this is an eminent researcher, you know, Mm -hmm, and I've mm -hmm. emailed with people like, yeah. Yeah, I, I won't won't do any name dropping. But I've, you know, I've emailed with people that I would consider like yeah, those are eminent scholars. But in in personal communication, very often I was just not impressed mm. um, because I feel we talked about a topic that they did not have so much expertise in. So then, you know, it's great. And and if I would talk about something that they have earned their eminence in right. thirty years ago in a specific research area, mm-hmm. maybe then. Uh, they maybe then they would know it, but but maybe not even. And uh, the theme of eminence uh, comes again. We're still reading Bacon, right? We've read right. Bacon. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah. and we have a whole list of things that comes from this uh, Novum uh-huh. Organum. But when Bacon discusses this in the Novum Organum, he says, "Yeah, this concept of like feeling um, eminence towards, like in his case, the Greeks, the ancient Greeks." Right. He says, yeah, you know, even about the topics they were smart about, time has progressed. Mm -hmm. And now we know much more about it. So we shouldn't give those people all the credit. Right. What really matters, that they figured this out 30 years ago, or maybe that you thought about this topic now Mm. for a couple of years, and maybe you just know more about it now, because that's what progress is about. So I wonder, even sometimes, if somebody was an eminent researcher for some theory 30 years ago, and now as a PhD student, you study the field, you read everything that has happened in the last 30 years, which they might not have done. They might not keep up. Who knows? You as a PhD student study this for five years, and you have an interaction with these people. I think you're definitely on equal footing, Mm. and maybe you even know more, even Mm. about their content area. 
So, you know, all those things go through my mind. And then I think, yeah, what, what, do, what do we do with this eminence anyway? Why do, why would we treat somebody differently? Because they, have because this they had this idea some time ago. Yeah. 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 And it would be different if I would have been like blown away again and again and again by people who are eminent. Right. Uh, but the living <laughs> ones don't do it. And I think that's also a benefit of being dead. So I, I also have the feeling yeah, if you want to be eminent, you have to be either very old or dead. And probably being dead is good. Like, so so somebody, because of course, like when you, you can't you, enjoy it anymore. <laughs> Yeah, because let's just be honest for a second. Like you took a picture with uh, Bandura, great. Like let's say that somebody like Paul Mill, uh-huh. which I'm a big fan of, right. and I would consider he's also on the list of eminent researchers. Yeah, sometimes yeah. you know he uh-huh. makes the list. Yeah. But if if he would walk around, I would be a total fanboy, and I would be like, I would, <laughs> you know, I would just either sneakily take a picture with him, or I would just ask. I would just out yeah. ask. So uh-huh. let's be honest. I would also do this. Yeah. But he he has the benefit of being dead. So he can't talk to me about things that happen now or something and say silly things. Right. You know, I mean, in his case, we have like video lectures and I I feel I've seen him talk about stuff for hours and he really doesn't seem to say a lot of silly things. So I I have high confidence he would still, you know, not disappoint. Yeah, when you, he has a lecture series that's available online that you can, and and, oh my gosh, I've never had that feeling where I'm like, I should write everything down that he's saying. Like I need to, yeah, (laughs) every, every sentence he's saying, I should be writing this down. Yeah. 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 So that's, that, that's also for me, somebody who deserves eminence. Like Mm. I am just uh, almost continuously impressed with the smart stuff that they say, um, and there's this other thing that I personally appreciate that I think makes people deserving of this eminence. Mm-hmm. And that is sort of going against the common view of a certain time or something. The status so, quo. Yeah. Exactly. Not accepting the norms as they are and just mm-hmm. working in the system, but having some sort of principle or belief that you're like, no, I think it should be different. I think it should be a little bit different. And then sticking with this. Um, that in itself is something that I associate with Hmm. and being right. You don't, I mean, you shouldn't be silly, like pick something (laughs) stupid and just stick with it. But you know, if, if then eventually you do this thing we discussed with Mandura, so you turn out to be right, you change something in the field for a long time, it stays, especially if it was not popular at the time, you get extra bonus points for me, for being eminent. Like, wow, that's not something a lot of people would do. Well done, you know? Yeah. And but then but then the issue then becomes is that if you're going against sort of the grain, you're going against what the status quo is, you're maybe challenging the norms a little bit, mm-hmm. then people who are eminent in the field who are in some ways responsible, right, they're the ones who are publishing, will decide whether you get published or not, whether you get the grants or not, whether you get to be at the fancy universities or not, right? So doesn't that mm-hmm. sort of clash with... The idea that, yeah, if you're going against or like staying true to your principles, sometimes in science that can mean that you don't get to have that influence and you don't get to do the kind of work and it doesn't get the kind of credit that it should get. It can happen, I guess. Uh, I mean, a lot of people probably deserve to be eminent, but they don't make it. But they it. aren't, right. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. But but again, I mean, the things you highlight are the negative thing of giving too much power to eminent people, right. which yeah. Yeah, I just wouldn't like, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So then let me ask you, how would we move in this direction, Daniel, mm-hmm. the one that you're seeing where we're actually valuing people and giving eminence to the one who maybe really deserve it? How mm-hmm. would we, what, what could we do now to move in that direction? 
Yeah, or just even reduce the role of eminence, you know? Reduce. Yeah, because yeah. We, yeah, because we do this. And again, uh, as you mentioned, like, yes, because they determine what gets published. And I think that's also true. Mm -hmm. So I think like journals yeah. really love to have an eminent yeah. person mm -hmm, mm -hmm. as the editor because that... Um, Again, people will use it as a heuristic and send their good stuff to it because there's an eminent person there. So we, we abuse this concept of eminence yeah. a lot. Yeah. I mean, with with journals, I think we should just, you know, not make such a big fuss about which journal is which because it's really about the article. It doesn't really matter exactly. where it ends up, right? Yeah. And I think maybe that's overall the thing. So instead of having like broad generalizations of people or of things or institutions, or you just zoom in. And like I said, like it's not about the person it's about the argument mm -hmm. so so in an in a perfect world we would like keep track of really good arguments made by people mm -hmm. and we can pinpoint them mm -hmm. and it could be a phd student who after two months starting their phd said but but how about this and it's like wow well done i mean you know <laughs> might just happen right uh, but we keep track and, and surely i mean there are going to be some people who score more of those good arguments just you know it, right. it there will be variation uh -huh. uh, but anyway, but we, we keep track of those kind of points that people make. Mm, and mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah and we assign credit on this low level as much as possible. That does happen a lot, in, right? Don't you think? I mean, yeah, of course, there's a, those big names. But I do feel like a lot of the knowledge we have, it is a lot of like facts and like arguments that we've collected mm -hmm. that don't have mm -hmm. names with mm -hmm. them. But yeah. Right. But yeah. it's just that maybe the availability heuristic, right? We're like, oh, yeah, these big names I come. But but all the people who have made these little contributions that factor in. But, you know, because we don't know yeah. their names, we don't know that. Oh, yeah. You know, it just becomes, no, oh, this is just knowledge. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, or sometimes we do know their names, but they just don't become eminent. So we eminent, can definitely yeah. say like this paper, this this paper by this person, that's right. such a good paper. Mm -hmm. and, and a lot of people achieve that much yeah. more, many more than become eminent. Right. And I'm actually happy leaving it at that level, you know. So if people treat me in this slightly imminent way, mm -hmm, right? Again, mm -hmm, again, mm -hmm. I should make the <laughs> hundred list or oh, how humble, or whatever, yeah. Uh, but but if um, people introduce me and they say, "Look, this is Daniel. He wrote this paper, which I really like." Mm, mm -hmm. That's something that I can, you know, that I appreciate. That's right. fine. Mm -hmm. And then, actually, the less popular my paper is that mm -hmm. you really like, mm -hmm. the better it is for me. You know. Mm -hmm. So if you mm -hmm. pick a paper that I really like, but that's not my most cited paper by far, then mm -hmm. I'm like, "Oh, cool. You like that thing about me? Great." But but sometimes people will just say, yeah, this is, uh, you know, this is Daniel. And he's very well known for doing stuff for the last mm. 10 years. I'm like, yeah, you know, everybody did stuff for the last 10 years. <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> you know, yeah. I feel that's, that's going to this more general level. So if you stay at a low level, I can appreciate it. But if you make it... Uh, more general, I, I'm more worried or, or about, about the personality or the the, yeah. the person as opposed to yeah. their arguments or the work that they did. Yeah, but you mentioned that this is maybe a heuristic or sort of a cognitive yeah. thing we do. And, and I have the feeling that's it. You know, that that's why it. we have yeah. eminent people right. because we can't just keep track of all these individual no. things. So we just say, yeah, Skinner, you know, like great. M right. So it's a sort of cognitive thing we, we have to do apparently or something. Yeah, yeah because maybe. then to read all of the papers and try to figure out which one's better, which one's not. not I mean, it's impossible yeah. even for experts, and especially yeah. given how much papers are being published. My God, you know, it's hard to do. So people do use that as a heuristic just to make yeah. things easier. But this, this, this is something I was thinking about. And of course, I've not been in academia anywhere except for, except for America. But I do feel like 
I don't know about Western overall, but I do think in a, in in the U.S. I almost feel like being an academic is a little too glamorized. Hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like there's this this sense of like, yeah, you everybody wants to go give that TED talk and just be, you know, like it's sort of made into this yeah like this glamorous thing almost where you become these public intellectuals once you get enough mm-hmm. fame as a scholar um in academia and it's i have well overall i'm i'd be curious to hear what you think um but as a less eminent person let me give my thoughts first <laughs> but, <laughs> which i i'm not going to take them seriously right i mean i only <laughs> listen to eminent people's thoughts about things but sure go ahead you know i mean and why am I saying less eminent, non-eminent, I should say. Um, but I, I have the, the reason I have mixed feelings about this is there's a, there's this Intel commercial that I really, really love. I don't know if you've ever seen it or remember it, but there was this fantastic Intel commercials from maybe like 20 years ago now, um, maybe a little less than that. But it's where this guy walks into this room and Intel is just like a, um, mm. it's like a break room. And mm. it's this like, Middle-aged, like, Indian guy, Ajay Bhatt, who's the co-creator of USB, of the USB, Mm. and everybody just loses their mind, okay? They're, like, (laughs) people are spilling their coffee. Everybody's just, like, oh, my God. They're having him sign things while he's just trying to get his coffee. And at the end, at the end, it says, our rock stars are not like your rock stars. (laughs) And I... Yeah, nice. Nice. I, I love that commercial so much. And I do yeah. think, like, growing up in India, I mean, like, when I was a kid, and I have this conversation sometimes with people, it's like, for us, like, the people who were cool in school were yeah. the ones who did good in, in so like, the ones who were smart, mm-hmm. like, the smart kids, mm-hmm. right? The ones who were. Mm-hmm. And so I do yeah. think culturally, to revere people who have knowledge is mm-hmm. a good thing, you yeah. know? If you have, yeah. if, like, because it, it it shows what you value as a culture, right? Like, I would much rather somebody... Think of an academic as a as a influential, eminent person than than the Kardashians, you know. Like mm. so, it's so I have so I have mixed feelings about that. But then, of course, it becomes this like you know, you don't want to end up with like a, you know, like a like it's just about your personality and you just turn into this like. So yeah, I, I have mixed feelings about yeah. that. But I'd be curious yeah. to hear what you think. Well, um, it definitely can go too far where we you know where people just only have the goal to build a brand right, and to become right, well known to yeah. become eminent and then maybe even to abuse i mean abuse or at least use yeah. the eminence mm-hmm. for things to make their life comfortable or to whatever um but i really love that uh um that's quote you just said like our rock our stars, rock stars. <laughs> are different than your rock stars right and i would i actually would love science to be like that so that we we have a system where we do appreciate people mm-hmm. for something, you know, uh-huh. um, but not in the Kardashian kind of style, you know, not like <laughs> right. in the, yeah. but, but but we appreciate them for something, you know, that, that they've they have done, done, that they are, right. exactly, again, and this invention of the USB. I mm-hmm. mean, again, if that's every time we see somebody like, oh man, they did that thing, it's so awesome, and they freak yeah. out if somebody goes and gets a yeah. coffee. <laughs> I think we can keep that part. Yeah. That's just a nice sign of appreciation. So I, I like that part. Yeah. Um, but then generalizing too far away from this, mm. then we get into the normal world. That's what we do with movie stars and with right. famous people where you want to take a picture on the street just because they are who they are. Right. You know? Or even 
that we start taking them seriously on matters that they have no expertise exactly. in. Right? Exactly. Right? Like, why are we listening about climate change, you know, from this right. actor? Like, who cares? Like, exactly. your opinion should not matter there, right? That That's exactly the thing. So, so if we drift in that direction, right. then I think uh, we're a little bit too far away. Yeah. But I'm totally fine having a system where we appreciate certain people because there are just very good people, you know, like, you know, again, as a fanboy of Paul Mill, I would put <laughs> him in there and I would love to see him get credit for good stuff, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, so I'm fine. But then if we have given this person credit and, and, and somebody says, oh, so wait, should we put him on our game show or should we ask him uh, to also, <laughs> you know, talk about yeah. whatever uh, crisis is going right. on? And we say, what is his thought no, on COVID no. restrictions? Yeah. Exactly. We should say, no, that's not what you're supposed to do because our, our rock stars are not like your rock stars. Right. And, and the other thing I wanted to actually mention is that what the great thing that Paul Meal did was he didn't, he would, I think later in his career, started publishing in these lower tier journals because like, I don't mm. care about eminence, yeah. right? And, and I think mm. that is also a sign of somebody that is really just cares about the work and just wants the ideas out there and doesn't want the fame. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think it would be good if we think a little bit about moving towards this specific mm -hmm. approach to assigning credit. We can still have rock stars. They're not like yeah. other people's rock stars. But <laughs> yeah. um, we have a bit of appreciation, but we don't keep eminence as it is now. I right. really think... I mean, yeah. it might, again, just be me, but I really feel we've overdone it. Yeah, no. We give people too much credit. We give them too much power mm -hmm. based on things that are too remote from what they mm. actually done. So, so we zoom back in on this lower level. Mm -hmm. And if we can start to think about having a science that is a little bit more like this on the lower level and a little bit less where em eminence plays less of a role than it does now, I think that would be a good thing to move towards. I agree with you that maybe we should move in that direction. But here's, again, because I do think we want to try to maybe play the devil's advocate sometimes mm -hmm. in this um, mm -hmm. podcast. Yeah. So I, I will ask you, what do you think might be some of the positives for eminence? Because, I mean, in his paper on the Matthew effect, you know, Robert Merton, who's a sociologist talking about him, a great mm -hmm. paper, he does talk about how it might have some role to play in some sense, right? So if you have, I think he talks about how in some cases, communication, in order to communicate your research findings to the public. So let's say you have a paper, there's some, you, you know, let's say you and I were publishing and you might say, oh, but if I publish, I mean, and this did come up, right? Danielle, I think you have said that, oh, out of the two of us, you are more eminent than I. And so you, you were thoughtful about like, how do we make it so it's something that's seen as our thing and not just your thing, right? In this podcast. In this podcast, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. it, it also happens like in publishing, right? If you have somebody that's publishing a junior researcher publishing with somebody that's more prominent, they might mm -hmm. think, oh, maybe I want to stay out of it because otherwise the younger scholar would not get um, the mm -hmm. credit for it. But then the downside to that is then it would just not, nobody would read it. It wouldn't get published, right? So there may be, or it wouldn't get as much influence or credit. Um, it wouldn't be out there. So that's one thing. Do you agree with that? Or like what might be some things that are beneficial about eminence? Yeah. With, yeah. So, so making the Matthew effect itself beneficial, you would really need to use it to distribute how well you're known and the additional attention you're going to get because of this. Mm. Um, then equally across groups of people who deserve it or something, mm. uh, while trying to push as much of the credit 
of the real work to these people. I mean, it's just and and we just said cognitively we can't do it, right? So like right. Uh, Amos Amos Tversky, a genius, somebody I really appreciate mm-hmm. as a researcher, deserves to be an eminent, is in the list. Yeah, but there's... he also worked with dozens of people over the course of his life yeah. to figure everything out. I think there's a quote by Elliot Aronson, if I'm remembering correctly, where he says that you knew how smart somebody is by how quickly they realized that Amos Tomorski was smarter than they are. Amos Tomorski was smarter <laughs> than they are. Yeah. 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 Which is kind of nice. Uh, so, so, so the Matthew effect, I think, is really, really difficult. And again, I try not to, like last week I had an email, and this is also a common thing, also related to eminence. I got an email, Daniel, do you want to be on our discussion panel? for Mm -hmm. this conference Mm -hmm. and and it's about a topic that i know a younger researcher i know very well is really good to talk about this they can do it just as well as i can and Mm -hmm. i have worked with them Mm -hmm. on topics right so so they ask me and i think this is something that people do they ask somebody who's well known because they think hey if we get a couple of well-known people on our panel it Mm -hmm. will increase our probability of getting our thing Mm -hmm. accepted Mm -hmm. you know right yeah, but then I just email back and I say, yeah, thanks. I mean, it's nice, but, you know, you should email this younger person because they can do this just as well as I can. Mm. And in this case, people even replied and said, yeah, but, you know, you really know also about this and this. And I said, uh-huh, yeah, this person also, also. <laughs> really knows about this. And yeah. I literally said in my email, like, the Matthew effect is not going to go away by itself. I need to actively push back, which yeah. I'm doing here by, you know. Right. And so, so I think really it's difficult to, really difficult to it do. It is difficult. But for a positive role that eminence can play, let's just say that indeed we have to look at situations where there are low cognitive resources to process everything, right? So I feel like being a public figure in a field, um, and if you're good for this and well-known, let's say Einstein probably made physics super popular among a lot of people mm. just because he was such an eminent researcher. And mm-hmm. again, many people did the same thing. But I think physics can sort of be like, yeah, we actually have an eminent researcher, like really, really like the most eminent scientist, maybe. Yeah, I think they can be happy with having an eminent person distributing the word, you know, making people enthusiastic about their field. And yes, this person is just using their eminence for this. But I think that's fine, you know? Um, mm. He doesn't need to become a journal editor because they're eminent. I don't like that, you know? Right. Um, but but if you have eminent people who then spread the word and do good science communication, for example, or inspire people, they're the person that inspires new people mm. to enter this field. Like maybe Pandura did for you. You read his work. Right. Mm-hmm. You're like, I'm now so inspired to also do this. I think that's great. That actually was the case with Freud for me, actually. I was maybe 13, mm. 14 when I read about Freud. And I was like, yeah, that's that's what I want to do. That's my guy. Yeah. No. But but well, I'm su- so, so then eminence is fine. If we use it for those kind of things, yeah. I think. Uh, and I'm surprised we hadn't discussed Einstein before because he's really the, I mean, poster child for eminent scientists, <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. is there any scientist more eminent than, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I think he's peak, peak eminence. Big eminence. Um, but okay, so I the final question I would want to ask you, Daniel, because you are obviously saying that you try to go out of your way to sort of maybe counteract some of the, you know, down, mm. you know, pitfalls that being eminent can bring and trying to, you know, um, work on that. Whose responsibility is it, though, is to deal with the, these effects of eminence? Is it the people who are getting the eminence? Or is it mm. everybody else who's you know, evaluating who's work or who's giving it, who's giving it, who's giving so much credence to it, right? Because I, 
how much mm-hmm. can you as a you know as a person who's on the receiving end of it mm-hmm. i assume there's only so much you can do to counteract the biases that people have or the fact that they're using them as heuristics right so whose responsibility yeah. does it be, is at the end of the day yeah to try to yeah. to counteract this effect yeah i think it's a, that's a very good point so you yeah. can't you can't um so I personally feel, for example, that again, wherever I am in whatever list, like I'm not that high, but I, I do, you know, I've, yeah, I, because I've been doing the same thing for like a decade or something, you yeah. do get a little bit of mm-hmm. uh, eminence, local eminence in this yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. And um, I feel I get much more benefit from this than I deserve for mm-hmm. it. Um, so, but I can't, I can't control that. I can't push back on it. Uh, so there's a little bit of responsibility for me to always mm-hmm. like highlight people who've done other things or try to help other people. I really strongly feel that, for example, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. the benefit I get, I really have now also responsibility to help mm-hmm. as many other people because I just get more. With great mm-hmm. power comes great responsibility. <laughs> yeah, Exactly. Yeah. And, and But I also think that the responsibility of scientists, maybe that's what we're doing here in this podcast, discussing mm. this. Uh-huh. I think our responsibility is to make people reflect on eminence more than they do. Don't accept mm. it as a given in the field. Mm. I think we can have a discussion with, uh, especially young people, because they're most likely to look up to certain people. You know, and exactly wh- like wanted exactly to take a picture like with Ben yeah. Uh, yeah. No, yeah, but exactly like Feynman. Right. Did. So we need right. to educate yes, people about yes. those experiences, mm-hmm. yeah. like Feynman was trying to do. Like, okay, you missed the exam question, but you've learned a really important lesson. Yeah. yeah. Don't trust authority. So I really think we mm. should have that we introduce this like okay eminence yes cognitively it makes sense but don't take it so seriously yeah focus on the arguments do the arguments Mm. make sense is the logic yeah yeah take nobody's word for it exactly (laughs) thank you for listening to this episode of milius in verba our theme song is newton's cradle by grand brothers if you have any thoughts feedback or comments you'd like to share you can reach us over email at nelliusinverbapod at gmail.com or our social media accounts at Mastodon or Twitter. In today's episode, we talked about the role of eminence in science. How do we recognize and applaud scientists for their contributions while also avoiding conferring too many unwarranted benefits on scientists who do become eminent? In the next episode, we'll discuss what Robert Merton calls the itch to publish. Do we publish too much? And would science improve if we publish less? We hope you will join us.